Welcome to the TALON project. TALON stands for Teaching and Learning Online Network. As we adjust to the new COVID-19 reality, TALON provides a platform for sharing and discussing resources and practices for remote education. You can learn more at taloncloud.ca. Enjoy this episode. Hi Charlie, thanks for agreeing to participate in our expert voice series for the Talon project. Welcome and um, maybe you introduce yourself and tell a little bit about the work you do, um, what you have been involved in recently and um, you know what your specialities are. Yes, thank you. No, it's a pleasure to be part of, part of the series. Um, so I teach on the, the undergraduate and postgraduate architecture programs in the School of Art and Design at Liverpool John Moores University. Um, I also teach on the postgraduate MA in Urban Design. Um, I'm reader of creative pedagogies um, in the school and so most of my research focuses on um, teaching and learning in, in creative programs, um, in particular looking at assessment and feedback and how all of all of these different issues affect the student experience. Um, also do a bit of research into library design and library architecture and learning space design. Um, I've been at JMU for about 15 years. Um, before that I was um, worked in professional practice um, for architects in Manchester and North England. I was primarily I was designing school buildings there so um, kind of gone from designing for education to researching for education. That sounds very interesting and these days very relevant. Um, yes. <laughs> how have you experienced the move to remote teaching learning? I assume that happened also in the UK and um, you know especially the creative aspects of your work. Um, what happened there? Yeah so I think like a lot of institutions in the UK we had a quite rapid transition from face-to-face um, teaching to to online teaching and um, for us it kind of all happened over the space of a weekend at the end of, end of one week we were, we were teaching face to face and then from the start of the following week we were teaching um, exclusively online. Um, I think in, in architecture like a lot of art and design programs uh, the, the studio the design studio is, is kind of the focal point of teaching and learning um, studio culture is very much at the heart of the student learning experience. Um, I think in that sense, we're very much aligned with a, with a kind of socio-constructivist approach to learning, where in studio, through tutorials and design reviews, um, learning is very much co-constructed between students and students and students and teachers, um, all driven by the dialogue that takes place, because we teach primarily through one-to-one -one tutorials. So over the course of one of our studio days, I might have 12 one-to-one -one conversations, about half an hour each with students about their ongoing design projects. So a lot of our teaching is, is kind of formative feedback on their evolving design projects. Um, that dialogue, as Susan Orr and Alison Shreve described it, would be kind of glue that holds the art and design learning environment together. Um, so I think for us, when we made the transition to online learning, one of, one of the biggest challenges was how to maintain that dialogue-driven teaching approach. Um, 
because this kind of technology is great. You know, we're on different continents and, and we can sit and have this conversation, this dialogue, um, without one of us taking two long haul flights with all the cost and the time and the carbon emissions that, that would accrue through that. Um, I think whenever you're teaching in this kind of form, you're having a dialogue in this kind of format, there are nuances and, and, and aspects of the conversation which just aren't quite the same as they would be if, if we were talking face to face. So I think for us, it's that move, we have to be quite uh, mindful in that move from um, teaching face to face in the studio to, to teaching online, how we try to maintain and, and, and uh, work with that dialogue driven learning approach, which is fundamental to, to the studio education. Yeah. What was, what was the um, students' reaction to that move? Um, how did students react? Did they, did they miss, you know, seeing you and having, having that, you know, direct contact? Or what was the feedback of that initial move? Um, did you get any feedback from students? I think, I think students understood why, you know, quite clearly why, why this had happened. And they were generally very willing to engage and very supportive of, of um, what was happening. Um, so we, a colleague of mine, kind of very quickly over the course of kind of the first few days did, a, did an appraisal of different online learning environments um, that we could use. And we settled on Zoom quite quickly because it's, it's very intuitive, um, it's very easy to use, and we could, we could screen share very easily. Um, and once we kind of made that decision to go with one, um, with Zoom, we, we used that continuously because once we'd set a, a process up we were quite keen to try and maintain that same process um, throughout the rest of the semester because um, this was about the middle of March that we went from face-to-face from -face teaching um, to online and so we still had several several months of, of teaching to go um, and so we managed quite quickly to make that transfer um, and we managed to maintain the tutorial process um, Pretty effectively in terms of recreating the one-to-one -one conversation that, that studio teaching is um, synonymous with. So what we do is we'd, we'd use our virtual learning environment um, which for us is Canvas and the students would upload their drawings um, the day before and then as a tutor I'd download all of their drawings in the morning and then I'd have a series so in just the, in just the same way as in the studio I'd have maybe 12 half hour conversations. I have 12 half hour Zoom calls with each student. Um, and I could bring their work up on the screen and, and we could discuss that work. They'd talk to me in the usual way, kind of tell me about the kind of ideas that they were having and the direction they were taking their project work in. Um, and the great thing there was I could then annotate their drawings or we could draw over it and discuss it um, in just the same way as we would in studio. Uh, and at the end of that process, could re-upload that work back to back to the virtual learning environment so they then had a record of that kind of conversation in just the same way that in studio we might be drawing over their drawings um, and then they could then take them away with them at the end of the session um, as a record of that that conversation um, and that formative input on their work so I think we tried to mirror as closely as possible um, what would happen in studio um, it's, it, design learning is very much an experiential process. It's all about testing ideas. And I think perhaps the, the one limit that we had was we worked 
quite often with physical models. So students will make scale models of their work. And when you're in studio, you know, you can, you can pick those up, you can kind of turn around and look, or look into them. Um, and I think that was probably this, a more difficult aspect to, to replicate. So students might still be making cardboard models um, and then uploading photographs, but it perhaps wasn't quite the same as it would be in, in the traditional uh, in-studio environment. What would we then say was um, opportunities or maybe new things that newly emerged through that, you know, things that you thought that may also have been a surprise um, in terms of, you know, what, what happened or, you know, that, that was a really positive development when going online? Yeah, I think um, the, the, the move to online learning, I think, is, is perhaps something of a catalyst for adopt, the adoption of te technologies that, that were already there, but perhaps we weren't using in quite, um, we weren't really kind of adopting in, 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 a, in, a, um, in a big way. So, for instance, um, the process was perhaps quite reactive in that we were responding to the situation by by kind of moving to moving to online teaching moving to zoom and things like that but there are opportunities to be more proactive i think going forward um using the best of those techniques for instance we have um panopto as a way of recording lectures so when we went into lockdown any lectures that were still um, to go ahead in the timetable uh, we do those through online recording through Panopto and the students could then view those lectures online um, as and when they wanted to. And I think things like that are, are a big opportunity because that, that technology has been around in our university for a little while, but we haven't embraced it um, until now. And I think the move to online teaching has shown us that there are those opportunities perhaps to um, use Panopto more widely. Um, there's a technique you may be aware of called, uh, called flipped lectures, where you, you students undertake a piece of work in advance of a lecture. You know, you might ask them to read a chapter of a book, or you might ask them to watch an online recording of a lecture, for instance. And then you use the session, the teaching session, the timetable um, slot for more of a discursive um, and um, teaching session with the students where rather than just kind of the old sage on the stage of, of, of an hour an hour long lecture actually becomes much more of a conversation so you kind of come around back to that dialogue idea where um, it's more of a conversation and co-construction and co-construction of learning so I think what we're looking to do going forward and one of the opportunities that's come out of this is um, like a number of institutions we're, we're taking an active blended learning approach so our large group teaching will become online um, and we'll still have some contact teaching in the studio. Uh, so we'll still have tutorials in the studio. So I think what's likely to happen is that we'll use Panopto to record all of our lectures and then the students can watch those in advance. And then we can use the timetable slot for a group discussion on something like Zoom or Teams um, where we're able to discuss that and talk about what was, what was in the lecture rather than it just being a transmission kind of model of learning. So I think there's certainly opportunities there. Um, with the online tutorials, um, some tutors actually recorded their sessions so the students were able to play them back. Um, and, and so it doesn't just become something that happens as a moment in time, 
which which is something that happens in the studio. You know, students, students go in for a tutorial and then discuss the work and go away, and there's, there's no real record of that conversation other than any marked up drawings that we made. Um, well, I think with an online tutorial that's recorded, students can then play it back. And it's the same with online online lectures. Uh, if the students go on to do a piece of coursework related to that lecture, they can then go back and re-watch that lecture and remind themselves of what was being talked about at the time. So they can go and relive that piece of learning. So I think there are opportunities there to use technologies that were already perhaps in existence, but we weren't using as, as effectively or we weren't using... Um, to try and support students in, in their learning. Um, yeah. Do you expect a face-to-face -face, um, element going forward in September? So as I understand, that might be the case in, in, in the UK? Yeah, so well, there's the, the, the strategy that, the, um, that we're working at with, um, within LJMU and I think a number of other institutions across the UK is uh, as I say, it's an active blended learning. So with the restrictions on social distancing, we can't hold large group lectures, for instance. Um, so those large group teaching sessions will be done online, um, either live um, or pre-recorded via something like Panopto. Um, but then we will still have contact teaching within a socially distanced environment. And I think the studio model lends itself quite well to that because Within the design studio, we have quite a lot of space, so we can have maybe a small group of six students per, per tutor coming in for a, for a half day session, morning and then afternoon. Um, and we can maintain social distancing within the studio environment and still have that face-to-face -face contact teaching. Um, I think the way, the, way that we, um, the way that they present their drawings is likely to be different we're looking at they will upload their drawings to the virtual learning environment the day before. <clears throat> and then the tutor will download the drawings and then we'll use plasma screens or um, screens within the studio. So we've got um, kind of large format screens that we can project their work onto and then we can draw over their work on those screens. Um, <clears throat> so rather than having physical drawings, it's more like to be digital drawings on a, on a screen rather than the traditional drawings on a desk or pinning the drawings to the wall, as, as has been the case in previous years. So yeah, we will have, we will have some, some contact teaching. Yeah. It sounds um, like you use Zoom a lot and the virtual learning environment and um, use some technology to, mm. you know, make use of, of virtual drawings and and you know the ability to to is there any other tools you've been using a lot or maybe tools you you anticipate to use in september or do you go forward with you know the ones you you've used so far yeah i think um we'll probably continue using the ones we've we've used so far so i think zoom um canvas our virtual learning environment and panopto will probably be three of the main um, technologies, uh, bits of software that we'll be using. I think one thing that has happened through 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 the COVID situation is that we have become much more familiar with the potential of the virtual, virtual learning environment. I think there's a lot of functionality there that perhaps we weren't using in the past um, to do kind of larger group teaching, um, kind of conversations, quizzes, um, recording flip lectures through recording sessions that we're likely to use 
much more. So I think it's, it's, it's caused us to have a, a more extensive look at what the potential of those environments is going forward and, and to take the best of that and say, whereas before we've been quite reactive to the situation, now we can be proactive in our planning of how to use those technologies going forward. Um, so, you know, so in, in, in the design studio, one of, one of the kind of positives is the way that students learn from and with each other as well. Um, so as well as having one-to-one -one teaching sessions every every week, every two or three, every three or four weeks, sorry, we might have design reviews, which is it's still a for, uh, still a formative feedback process, but it's a slightly more formalised one, where we'd have a design tutor and a guest critic from professional practice or another um, university would would come in, um, and there'd be a small group of students, and each student in turn would present their work, um, and the two two critics would then review review that work give formative feedback on it and, the, and each student would present in turn so it's quite so the students would learn from each other as well from the conversations that were going on between another student and the critics um, they'd also learn from that and in zoom again we were able to recreate that so as well as having one-to-one -one sessions like, like kind of we're having now um, we'd also have groups group teaching sessions where we'd have a guest critic a design tutor and we'd have maybe 10 or 12 students in the session with one presenting their work and the others observing what was being talked about, the feedback that was being given to that student, because aspects of that feedback will be just as relevant to other students as well. So we, we were able to use, use the kind of, um, the last kind of small group teaching in Zoom as well, which proved really effective um, and recreated that design review environment Sometimes called, I think in North America sometimes called design juries or, or, or design crits. What would you say um, is one of your favorite resources to use, um, especially when in designing your online um, course elements? Um, can be, you know, also a book or, you know, anything you draw up from or where you get, you know, inspiration from. Um, is there anything you say that was particularly useful to read or to use or a website or a blog or any resource you draw up on? Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I think one thing we have been looking at more is um, some, of the, some of the lectures by kind of high profile architects that are out there, um, which quite often they're available through formats like YouTube. Uh, so we've, we've been collating a, a, um, a resource of online lectures, not only just by ourselves, but also by um, kind of signature architects um, or urban designers um, or artists even um, talking about their own work. Um, so I think we, we, you know, the opportunity through Canvas to kind of embed the links to those wider collection of, of online materials um, is great because then the students can not only they don't you know, they're not only reading about the material also able to watch it within art, with art and, within art and design and, and architecture it's very much about visual representation as well it's about seeing the drawings seeing the models seeing the buildings seeing the paintings or the artworks so I think you know, it's good to be able to use resources like online lectures through through YouTube in order for students to kind of widen their understanding of um, the context of, of, of architecture and art and design. Um, 
where do you see education going forward? I mean, we're all struggling, you know, to prepare for September, but <laughs> yes. um, we usually ask the next 10 years. So, so where do you see developments going? Do you think, you know, the online will stay or, you know, we will have the blended um, format kind of developing even more? And I know your speciality is, that you, is, is assessment and feedback. You know, is there any developments you see there? I know there was a lot of debate in the UK about exams and algorithms. Um, <laughs> um, you know, there was a, a huge debate for those that are not familiar with, you know, where students had predicted grades rather than, you know, actual exams with, you know, graded work. Um, you know, where do you think developing? Um, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think, as I said, the design studio, um, is a central element of, of, the, of the student learning experience in architecture, art and design disciplines. And so I would hope that will stay as very much the kind of core element of, of student learning. I think it's so central to that dialogue-driven um, socio-constructivist approach to learning. Um, I, I think the design studio should become it should remain a very much a kind of focal point of teaching. Um, certainly there are opportunities <clears throat> within, um, within the blended learning for adopting perhaps um, more digital technologies through flip lectures or through using um, the, the timetable teaching sessions for lectures to do different things, to have more um, discursive teaching sessions rather as I say the traditional tr transmission based approach to lecturing where um, students with a flip lecture can watch material beforehand and then come to the session whether it's back in um, the actual campus itself or whether it's taking place in an online forum um, to have a much more kind of say conversational approach about what that material was um, I think in assessment and feedback, um, obviously our students have been submitting all of their work online and I think the actual physical reality of those drawings and those physical models is really important. Um, as I say, a physical model communicates certain things that, that a CAD model can't really do the same. So um, I think hopefully we will find a way back to that traditional format of presentation in studio. Um, I think certainly technologies like virtual reality um, would allow a student and a tutor to walk through buildings or at their developmental design stage, perhaps in a way that we don't at the moment. So um, as students build ever more refined CAD models of their buildings, there's an opportunity to create a kind of virtual reality walkthrough with in which a student and a design tutor are actually able to, to see what the design would look like from, from, within, from within and without um, as the student's going through the design process. Um, so I think there are technologies out there in things like virtual reality that may well lend themselves um, to, a, to a kind of more rapid adoption within an online environment. But I think still that the physical reality of materials uh, and physical models is, is still really important. So 
I wouldn't, wouldn't want to see that lost in the next 10 years. I think, I think the design studio is, is so important as, as a dialogue-driven learning space um, that I think that, that should remain. It's, it's, it's been there for decades, if not centuries, so I, I think it should still stay as the kind of core element of the, of the art and design and architecture curriculum. Do you then also think in that regard, um, design disciplines or creative disciplines generally struggle more than others? Um, because um, there are certain elements that are more difficult to translate, like the model to the online. Would you say that's, that's kind of an additional challenge um, as students learn well by discussing and showing and making? Um, yeah, I, I think that is a, that certainly is, is, is a challenge um, and it has been a, over the, the previous few months as I say where students would, would normally have access to workshops and facilities um, within the building um, which they haven't been able to access because campuses closed down completely so students weren't able to access those um, digital model making materials or uh, the workshops uh, in the same way that they will be able to. So I think going forward, uh, uh, there is a focus on the way in which those workshops can now begin to function under the new kind of social distancing over, over the next few months. So the students still have access to those facilities. I think that 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 will be really important because it is a, a very much, as I say, an experiential process. And part of that is being able to fabricate models and, and test ideas out. I think students are very resourceful and, and they've a lot of students were making their own models at home still um, and were just getting uh, whatever materials they could and whatever resources they could to still make tech kind of create those developmental models. Um, but I think once we get back into campus teaching, even on a, on a more kind of socially distanced, limited basis, those workshop facilities should be there for those students to be able to access. So um, I'm hopeful and confident that that will still be the still be the way. I think that's a nice ending. Um, I think we all have to have some hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for agreeing to participate in the interview. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, Thank you for all the information. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This episode was produced by Talon. You can find the video of the interview and more at talencloud.ca. The Talon project is funded by the Richard Parker Initiative. It is hosted at the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. Thank you for listening.